This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as isolation, depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment when you need professional help. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com Latino to learn more and get 10% off your first month. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. And today, one of our How I Made It segments with Chicana punk legend, Alice Bag. When you think about the origins of punk, you might imagine a group of men, maybe white, thrashing around to the sound of heavy guitar riffs and ear-splitting drum crashes. But for Alice Bag, the history of punk has always included women, Latinos, and people of color. Alice Bag is the lead singer and co-founder of The Bags, one of the first bands to form during the first wave of punk in the early 1970s in Los Angeles. To Alice, punk is much more than just a musical genre. It's an attitude. It's a way to challenge the limitations and expectations that were placed on her as a Mexican-American woman. And while she began playing punk nearly four decades ago, Alice Bag hasn't stopped making music or pushing back against social barriers in new and creative ways. And that's exactly what she did in February of 2019 at Quinceañera Reimagined, a party that brought together women of color artists across disciplines to reinvent the long-standing coming-of-age celebration, creating a space that challenges the patriarchal history and values behind the quinceañera tradition. We really should be acknowledging milestones, not so much in terms of age or beauty or whether we can procreate or find a partner because all those things don't really matter to everyone. The event was held at the Los Angeles Music Center in the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, the very home of the Los Angeles Opera. But rather than opera, the hall reverberated with everything from mariachi from the all-women mariachi collective Las Colibris to Cumbia Bachata from Chulita Vinyl Club, the non-binary and women's DJ collective. Disrupting this traditionally white space, Alice's performance in Quinceañera Reimagined is a testament to the singer's punk ethic, always loud, always bold, and always challenging any limitations placed on her due to her race, gender, or age. As a four-time quinceañera, I feel like I am the blend of independent and connected to my community and finding my space in this world and feeling like I can navigate it with confidence and authority and that I also have like a sort of agency that I wasn't aware of when I was a quinceañera. In this episode of our How I Made It series, Alice takes a look back at her own trajectory, reflecting on how she came to be the musician and feminist that she is today. My name is Alice Bag. I am a punk rocker, an author, and I guess that's it. A bad cook. No. <laughs> I think my feminism was born out of 
growing up in an abusive household. My father beat up my mother and my mom, my sister and I had to hold it together in the house. As I was growing up, I was thinking, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to fight back. And I would fight back at the time, but I really felt like as a little kid, I never had a voice. I remember one, well, several <laughs> incidents when I was trying to pull my father off of my mother and he would just swamp me away and I felt powerless. And as I entered my teens and I started making music, I got in a band and people started listening to me, all of a sudden I felt like, oh, I have a voice, I have power, people care what my opinion is. Rock in Los Angeles during the mid-70s, it was very diverse. Los Angeles has a very large Latino population. We were some of the creators of the punk scene. And I think as punk rock spread, got bigger, it got more commercialized. It spread to the suburbs where maybe certain communities interpreted it differently. And it started to get a reputation for being a white male genre. And in fact, I've never, ever thought of punk as a genre. I think of it as a lifestyle and a way of looking at the world. And it's a way of looking at the world that's challenging and creative and not accepting of barriers. My band <laughs> used to wear paper bags on our heads. That's how I got my name. We all took on the name of the band, which was The Bags. It was the idea of my bass player. She and some of her friends, they went to the market, they got had paper bags, and they cut out the eyes, nose, and mouth, and then they drove around the city, and they would roll down their window when they spotted a pedestrian, and they'd try and talk to them. My friend was telling me that sometimes they would run off screaming, and other times they'd laugh, or they'd start a conversation and find out why they were doing that. And she said she had just a marvelous time and wanted us to wear bags on our heads when we performed. And we, we kind of channeled our personality and our creativity into creating these masks. And we also thought that it would afford us a certain type of anonymity, which were two things that were really attractive to me because I'd never been on stage. And I wanted to be something fierce. You know, I grew up in East LA and I remember seeing these cholas who'd wear this like extreme makeup. I mean, it looked so cool to me. It looked so strong. It didn't look like they were trying to look cute. They weren't trying to look soft and feminine. They were trying to look strong. I don't know. I think of like tigresses. So I remember when I did my first bag, I really like elongated the eyes. I put a lot of streaks for cheekbones and it was exciting to have this mask on and be anonymous and do whatever I wanted to do because no one would judge me. Unfortunately, the plan didn't go as uh, we thought it would because I didn't realize that when you're wearing paper and you're sweating, it sticks to your face. So I had all this like sweaty paper bag stuck to part of my face and then a rip out the other side. So there was a sense of chaos to our first performance. I 
I grew up watching feminism progress. You know, I remember watching The Battle of the Sexes, Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs on television. The male is king, the male is supreme. I said it over and over again. I still feel that way. Girls play a nice game of tennis for girls. There were attempts to regulate my choices because of my class, because of my ethnicity, because of my sexual preference, or because of my gender. I felt like none of those things were valid and I had to challenge them. But then that's, you know, that's part of being a teenager. Hopefully you're challenging all the things that the people in power have told you, whether it's your parents or whether it's society or whether it's the government. It's a perfect age to challenge everything, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't stop challenging as we get older. We should continue to do it. I think when I first started making music, it was very personal. It was all about me and being on stage and having people listen. And that was enough. But I really hadn't thought enough about, like, what do I really want to say? You know, it's like a little kid who starts dancing at a party and everybody's looking and they're like, oh, yeah, everybody's looking at me. This is great. So they keep doing their little show. So I think in a way, when I first got in a band, I was just excited that somebody was listening to me. But as I matured as a writer, I started paying more attention to what I was writing. And also as a performer, a lot of my energy comes from connecting with the audience. So as I picked up on what they were connecting to, I realized, okay, these are things that are important, not just to me, but they're important to other people. What can I do with that? I remember having an epiphany where when I was on stage one night And the stage lights were in my face and the back of the audience was dark. And I was dancing very maniacally and the audience was dancing with me and then I'd slow down and the audience would slow down. And if I'd move in one direction, the audience's eyes would follow me. And as I looked out into the darkness, I couldn't see the end of the room. And I thought, you know what? This could be the universe. We are moving together. We are acting together. We are connecting. And I felt enormously powerful. And I felt that when you connect with people, when you connect with their values, when you connect with the goals, that you're unstoppable. The words of punk rocker Alice Bag. This episode was reported by Lisa Napoli, produced by Julia Rocha, and edited by Luis Treyes. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Sofia Paliza Ka, Janice Yamoka, Julieta Martinelli, Ginny Montalvo, Alisa Escarce, and Alejandra Salazar, with help from Raul Perez. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau, Julia Caruso, and Leah Shaw. Our director of programming and operations is Natalia Fiedelholz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our interns are Sofia Sanchez and Marie Mendoza. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, be sure to stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. 
I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, you can find us on all of your social media. Ahí te veo. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Latino USA is made possible in part by W.K. Kellogg Foundation, a partner with communities where children come first. And the Heising Simons Foundation, unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org. Funding for Latino USA's coverage of a culture of health is made possible in part by a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Punk rock. Did I pop my pee? <laughs> Until recently, Edmund Hong says he didn't speak out against racism because he was scared. My parents told me not to speak up because they were scared. But I'm tired of this. Listen now on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA. We go to Mississippi, where the effects of a series of immigration raids at chicken processing plants are still being felt one year later. What people are seeing now are people that are just destroyed and broken. But that's not what they are. You know, they're survivors. That's next time on Latino USA. 